I want to invite you to open your Bibles this morning with me to Hosea chapter number 2. Hosea 2, we're going to be reading uh, verses 2 through 13. As we continue this new series in the book of Hosea, the, the true story of a prophet and his prostitute wife, the true story of God and His unfaithful people. And this marital drama continues to unfold in our passage today. So follow along with me as I read from Hosea chapter 2 beginning at verse number 2. The prophet writes, Plead with your mother, plead, for she is not my wife, and I am not her husband, that she put away her whoring from her face and her adultery from between her breasts lest I strip her naked and make her as in the day she was born, and make her like a wilderness, and make her like a parched land, and kill her with thirst. Upon her children also I will have no mercy, because they are children of whoredom. For their mother has played the whore. She who conceived them has acted shamefully, for she said, I will go after my lovers, who give me my bread and my water, my wool, my flax, my oil, and my drink. Therefore I will hedge her up, hedge up her way with thorns, and I will build a wall against her so that she cannot find her paths. She shall pursue her lovers but not overtake them, and she shall seek them but shall not find them. Then shall she say, I will go and return to my First husband, for it was better for me then than now. And she did not know that it was I who gave her the grain, the wine, and the oil, and who lavished on her silver and gold, which they used for Baal. Therefore I will take back my grain in its time, and my wine in its season, and I will take away my wool and my flax, which were to cover her nakedness. Now I will uncover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers, and no one shall rescue her out of my hand. I will put an end to all her mirth, her feast, her new moons, her Sabbaths, and all her appointed feasts, and I will lay waste her vines. And her fig trees, of which she said, These are my wages, which my lovers have given me. I will make them a forest, and the beasts of the field shall devour them. And I will punish her for the feast days of the Baals, when she burned offerings to them, and adorned herself with her ring and jewelry, and went after her lovers, and forgot me, declares the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Father, I ask you to bless this reading of your word. I pray that your spirit would take it and use it. Convict those who need convicting. Comfort those who need comforting. And change us all for the glory of your son Jesus. And we pray this in his name. Amen. There is no human experience in this world that simultaneously causes overwhelming, heartbreaking grief and ignites blazing jealous anger 
like adultery. Nothing else even comes close. The marriage bed is a sacred place and to invite another person into it is the ultimate act of betrayal. It's one thing to discover that your spouse, Harlan, will you pull this mic back? I mean, turn it down. Turn it down. This is, there's some squealing happening. It's one thing to discover that your spouse has been having a, a secret, adulterous relationship. It's another thing to actually find them in the bed with their lover. But it's something altogether different to have to watch it as it happens and see every detail. Are you feeling a little uncomfortable, perhaps? A little unsettled? Well, friends, that's how God experiences our spiritual unfaithfulness to Him. There are no hidden relationships. There are no secret rendezvous. Nothing that escapes His all-knowing, all-seeing eyes. Proverbs 15.3 says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. Hebrews 4.13 No creature is hidden from His sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. And we might think, that we are hiding our unfaithfulness to the Lord under a garment of external piety. And we may be able to fool each other. But friends, every sordid detail of our spiritual adultery is laid bare before the eyes of our holy God and He will visit His people with judgment today. Just like He did Israel. But it is a redemptive judgment. A judgment that actually saves. That's the main takeaway from this passage this morning. And I want us to see three, three truths from these verses in Hosea chapter 2 that show that God is a faithful but jealous husband who has pursued His unfaithful people through the person and work of His Son, Jesus Christ. And He will not stop until He brings His prodigal bride back home. The first thing that we see here in this passage is that spiritual adultery must be denounced. Verse 2 says, Plead with your mother. Plead, for she is not my wife, and I am not her husband that she put away her, her whoring from her face and her adultery from between her breasts. In one voice, both God and Hosea are speaking to the children of Gomer, Hosea's adulterous wife. God is calling them to call their mother to turn from her promiscuous ways. Plead with your mother. The prophet says. In the Hebrew language, this is not simply an emotional appeal from child to mother, from children to mother. It is a critical denouncement. The Hebrew word here for plead means to contend with. 
to denounce. We saw last week that these three children are, in fact, real historical children, but they also typify the Israelites who now, in chapter 2, are being called to denounce their own mother nation, meaning the culture, the leaders, the values of unfaithful Israel as a whole. And the application to us today is that God is once again calling us to denounce the specific sins of not just our nation, of not just our culture, but to, de- to denounce the spiritual adultery of the church. We need to speak out against compromise. We need to actually name the issues where the church is crawling into bed with the culture. We need to preach some uncomfortable sermons. But you know, there are a lot of Christians, even a lot of pastors, who believe what is true. They would would agree. But they won't say much about it because of the controversy that it might cause. I've had pastor friends, more several in fact, tell me that they won't preach on certain issues because they know it will stir up trouble for them. And I'm not talking about making every minor difference in doctrine or conviction a hill to die on. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about real problems and real trends in the church that they will not address because it will get them criticism or cause people to leave the church. But friends, as controversial as it may be or may become, we just cannot afford to keep silent about the unfaithful drift in the church today. Because if we do not denounce it, God will hold us accountable for our silence. Look at verses 3 and 4. The Lord still speaking here through the prophet Hosea. He says, Lest I strip her naked and make her as in the day she was born, and make her like a wilderness, and make her like a parched land, and what? Kill her with thirst. Verse 4, upon her children also I will have no mercy. Remember, one of Hosea's children was named no mercy. Upon her children also I will have no mercy because they are the children of whoredom. This is a strong warning of what will come to those who are unfaithful to God. And we see here very clearly that sin never affects just us, does it? It affects those we love most. It affects our children. Upon her children, God says, I will have no mercy. And you know, when I read these verses, I cannot help but think of what's happening to to so many once professing young adult Christians today who are deconverting from Christianity. They call it deconstructing their faith. Statistically, almost 7 out of 10 young people are leaving the church 
when they reach adulthood. And I wonder if the rising generations are not reaping the spiritual unfaithfulness of mother church, so to speak, that we have sowed over the past four or five decades in America. See, unbelief, being given over to your unbelief, is the worst judgment outside of hell. That's what God is doing to the rising generation. You see, this constant compromise with the culture has consequences. This flirtatious attention the church has given to worldly ideologies has consequences even on our own children. So if we here at Bethel Church want to be faithful for the sake of our coming generations, then we better be willing to denounce the spiritual adultery of the modern church no matter how much controversy it causes us. The second truth that we see in this passage is that spiritual adultery will provoke divine jealousy. Look at verse 5. For their mother has played the whore. She who conceived them has acted shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers who give me bread and my water and my wool and my flax, my oil and my drink. This imagery of whoredom here, it's the, the image of a, of a prostitute, it's all over the book of Hosea. And though the graphic imagery may be difficult for us to stomach, that is precisely why we must stomach it. Israel needed a wake-up call, and so does the church today. Do we think that a holy God is not jealous for the people that He has called into relationship with Himself? Seventeen times in Scripture, the Bible explicitly says that God is a jealous God. Zechariah 8.2 Thus says the Lord of hosts, I am jealous for Zion with great jealousy. And I am jealous for her with great wrath. God will not share His bride with another lover. Yet in this chapter, Gomer's lovers are mentioned five times in nine verses. And verse 13 clearly identifies those lovers as the Baals. Now we saw last week that Baal was the ancient Near Eastern god of fertility. And ritual sex was a major part of Baal worship. But note the plural here in verse 13. You just kind of glance down at it. Baals. Friends, Israel had given herself over to complete spiritual and literal whoredom. The Baals were her lovers, but I, but I wonder. I've been thinking all week. Who are our lovers today in the American church? What idols are we in bed with? I want to speak to just one this morning. One lover. 
We're going to have plenty of opportunity to identify many more as we go through this book. But the primary lover that the American evangelical church has gone after today is cultural relevance. Cultural relevance. You see, we have bought into the lie that if we don't keep in step with the times, that if we don't adapt our historic Christian beliefs to the sensibilities of modern progressive culture, then our churches will empty out. We've, we've bought that. So we started to cave. We caved on six-day creation, a young earth, a literal historical Adam and Eve. Why? Because we wanted to keep in step with modern fallible science, which says that all of that's just a myth. And so now we're trying to force the Big Bang evolution millions of years into Genesis. It doesn't work. We caved on the sufficiency of Scripture to build the church. So out goes expository preaching. Out go the great hymns of the faith. And in comes the fog machines, the LED light shows, the shallow songs, the therapeutic self-help messages. Why? Thinking that, that we would attract more people and wouldn't seem so old-fashioned and out of date. In 2020... We caved on the necessity of public worship and let the government tell us that liquor shops, abortion clinics, and Home Depot were essential, but churches had to close. Now, we're caving on critical race theory, woke ideology, so we have professors at conservative Bible-believing seminaries training the next generation of pastors admitting in class to being racist by default just because they're white. That happened at the seminary I graduated from and it happened while I was there for perspective. And of course, we're caving at a shocking pace, unbelievable, to the LGBTQ plus alphabet. And friends, I know it might seem like I talk about this a lot, but listen to me this morning. If the church folds on this issue, we're done. I mean, our churches might still be open on life support for a generation or two, but Ichabod will be written over our doors because the glory of God will have departed from us. By the way, did you know that there are 43 gay and trans affirming churches in West Virginia registered with gaychurch.org? 43. That doesn't count the ones that are not registered or leaning towards all of this. United Methodist, Presbyterian, Lutheran, Church of the Brethren, Baptist, Catholic, even Pentecostal churches, LGBT affirming. And for what? For cultural acceptance? To be relevant to our culture today? Friends, the American church has opened her breast. 
to use God's own language in verse 2. She has opened her breast to the surrounding culture and is in hot pursuit of her lovers. And if that language makes you uncomfortable, good. Because we need to be uncomfortable today in the church lest we provoke the Lord to fierce jealousy like Israel did. Look at verse 6. I'm not saying anything's not in the Bible. So don't go home and say the pastor is using explicit language. Verse 6. By the way, you want to see explicit, go read Ezekiel 16. Verse 6. Therefore I will hedge up her way with thorns. I will build a wall against her so that she cannot find her paths. That's what God's going to do. Now when the Lord's bride goes after her lovers, His divine jealousy provokes Him to action. Now on the surface, on the surface, this verse, verse 6, may look punitive. Okay? As if, as if the grieving husband is vindictively trying to make life miserable for his adulterous wife. But look deeper at what it says. Because what God is doing here is actually redemptive. The imagery of thorns and a wall point to God's sovereign intervention to keep His wayward wife from finding her lovers so that she might find her way back to Him. Verse 7, She shall pursue her lovers, but not overtake them. She shall seek them, but not find them. Then, then she shall say, I will go and return to my first husband. For it was better for me then than now. So, the application to us here in this church, here in our country, is if we are truly part of the bride of Christ, if we truly are the Lord's bride, but are being spiritually unfaithful to Him, God will turn our lives upside down to cause us to realize that He is the only one who can ultimately satisfy our wandering hearts. If He has to hedge us up with thorns, if He has to build a wall, if He has to close every door, slam it in our face, He'll do it to bring us back to Himself. Verse 8. She did not know that it was I who gave her the grain, the wine, the oil. Look at, look at what God says here. And who lavished on her silver and gold. God says, I have loved my bride. I've given her everything. Everything that I've just, I've just lavished it all upon her. And what did she do? She took it and used it for Baal. Verse 8 says, Verse 9, Therefore I will take back my grain in its time and my wine in its season. And I will take away my wool and my flax which were to cover her nakedness. In other words, God says, Okay. The well is going to dry up. The irony here 
is that we use the very gifts and blessings that God has given to us to pursue and go after our worldly lovers. That's the irony. It's a sad irony. But God will take back those blessings. He's going to put us flat on our back here in America. The ch- I'm, talking about, I'm not talking about this nation. I think we're already there as a nation. I'm talking about the church. He's going to put the church in America flat on our back until we realize none of it was ours to begin with. It all came from Him until we realize that we need to go back home. So we've seen so far in this passage that number one, spiritual adultery must be denounced. Secondly, spiritual adultery will provoke divine jealousy. And now lastly, let's see that spiritual adultery will be exposed and judged. It will be exposed and judged. Look at verse 10. Now, I will uncover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers. And no one shall rescue her out of my hand. I will put an end to all her mirth. That's a word that means like joy and happiness. Her feast, her new moons, her Sabbaths, and all her appointed feasts. Those are religious phrases, religious terms. Verse 12, And I will lay waste her vines and her fig trees, of which she said, These are my wages, which my lovers have given me. Y'all get that, right? The wages there, the wages of the prostitute. These are my wages, which my lovers have given me. God says, I will make them a forest, and the beast of the field shall devour them. This is the climax of the passage, the inevitability of judgment on Hosea's unfaithful wife, Gomer, and Yahweh's unfaithful wife, Israel. Who had the outward appearance of religious piety. She had her feast. She had her Sabbath. She had her new moons and all that. She was doing all the external stuff, but she was really an adulterous whore, God says. And here is where the dangerous jealousy of an injured husband should arrest our attention. The adulterous wife will be stripped naked and humiliated in the sight of all of her lovers. The imagery here should be shocking and frightening to us. Because it's exactly what's happening right now in the church today. God is exposing our unfaithfulness. Over the past several years, we've seen the Roman Catholic priesthood exposed to be full of pedophiles. But let's bring it a little closer to home. Let's bring it, let's bring it home to the conservative evangelical church. In 2015, the user accounts on the adultery website, AshleyMadison.com, were leaked. 
AshleyMadison.com, for those of you who don't know, is a site where married people can connect and arrange adulterous, no-strings-attached hookups with random people. It's real. On that, that list that was leaked were the names of several high-profile Christian leaders, including R.C. Sproul Jr., the son of the late R.C. Sproul, one of the most faithful Christian leaders of the 20th century. His son. Another name you may recognize that came off the list. Josh Duggar. Of the infamous Duggar family TV show. He was also outed. And it actually uh, showed what he, he had paid over $1,000, and he actually paid an extra $250 for, quote, a guaranteed affair, end quote. Of course, now he's in prison on a child pornography conviction, so... Are you uncomfortable? Are you unsettled? I think I've asked that a couple of times. I'm going to take a break. You know, I have this shirt at home that says, Be careful, or you'll end up in the pastor's sermon. These guys, I'm not. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. In 2022, just about two years ago, actually, coming up in the spring, the Southern Baptist Convention released a document containing the names of over 585 Southern Baptist pastors, youth ministers, or other church leaders involved in sexual misconduct. Some of it criminal. Last October, Mike Bickle, the founder and leader of the, the Charismatic uh, International House of Prayer in Kansas City, Missouri, was forced out of the ministry by multiple credible and serious allegations of predatory sexual abuse. Decades of it. He's 68 years old now. Bill Hybels, Jimmy Swaggart, Jim Baker, Mark Driscoll, Carl Lentz of Hillsong Church, numerous lesser-known pastors, on and on and on the list goes. Sex scandals, financial scandals, spiritual abuse scandals, on and on. Believe it or not, many of these men are still in ministry. But friends, God is stripping the American church naked in front of our lovers. He is exposing our sin. And this isn't over. <laughs> not by a long shot. If the church in America does not wake up and forsake her idolatrous lovers and return to Christ, we will never outlive the humiliating shame that God Himself will bring, up, bring upon us until He comes to take the faithful remnant home. We're never going to outlive it. Look finally at verse number 13. And I will punish her for 
the feast days of the Baals, when she burned offerings to them and adorned herself with her ring and jewelry and went after her lovers. And forgot me, declares the Lord. She went after her lovers and forgot me, declares the Lord. What about you this morning, dear friends? What about us here at Bethel? What about us? You know, I like to think that we are among the most faithful churches in Grant County, if not all of West Virginia. But we are not beyond drift. We are not beyond being lured away by the seductress of cultural relevance and cultural acceptance. We have to stay faithful to the Lord no matter the cost. No matter the cost. We have to, we have to be one of the last churches left standing when all those around us have caved. And God forbid that He would ever have to expose any spiritual adultery and strip us naked before this community. Now, I'm preaching to myself more than I'm preaching to you. But what about you personally? In your own life and heart? Have you gone after other lovers and forgotten the Lord? I, for, I pray not, friend. But if you have, I want to call you back to Christ. I want to call you back to Jesus. That's where it all goes to. Jesus is the true Hosea. He is the better Hosea. He is the one who, and we'll see this coming next week, He is the one who goes after His, his wayward bride and brings her back. God is rescuing the remnant through the person and work of His Son, the Lord Jesus. He always will. But have you forgotten the Lord? In your bulletin there's a verse. Jeremiah 2.32 The saddest verses in all the Bible. The Lord says, My people have forgotten me days without number. My people have forgotten me days without number. Put yourself in, in Hosea's place. A bride who has, has left you and forgotten you. Who doesn't want to come home. Friends, that's what we do to the Lord. Jeremiah says days without number. I want to call you back to Jesus. I want us to close with a time of prayer. I don't really know what else to do. You know, I... I just preach whatever God has laid on my heart and I leave the rest to Him. So if the Lord has spoken to you this morning through His Word and by His Spirit, 
I want to encourage you to respond however He's leading you. If that means that you need to come and find a place to pray up front, or if you want to go downstairs and find a closet to pray in, that's fine too. If you need somebody to pray for you, I want to invite you to do it. We don't have any set rituals around here. And I'm not going to try to manipulate you with ten verses of just as I am or anything like that. I just want to ask you to respond to God's Word however He is leading. Let's bow for prayer.